Hi, I'm Sarah Fisk, Life Coach with Microbe Formulas. This series will cover mental health. If you struggle with mental health issues, please be aware that listening to this episode could be a trigger for you. Please contact your mental health provider if you're in need of mental health support. Thanks for listening. A podcast about life. I mean, that's a struggle, I think, with every single day. Are we good enough? Everything it can throw at you. The only person that can make us happy is ourselves. Real people talking about life's real issues. Oh, yeah, there you go. This is Intentionally (laughs) Disruptive with Shonda McNeil. This is episode number two of the No Perfect People Allowed series, and we're calling it Nothing Man. Joining the podcast this week is my husband, Dave. The topic, depression. Nothing Man is a song you used to listen to. It's a Pearl Jam song. But that's one of the songs. I, I, whenever we were brainstorming episode names, mm-hmm. I thought of Nothing Man because I just remember typically, because you've, you've talked about this, that whenever you are in that depressive uh, stage, you Or I feel listen, it coming on. Yeah, you'll listen to sad music to make it worse almost. Yeah, well to bring it out, to bring it on. If yeah. I know it's, I can feel it. Like today is a day. It's just, it's just hanging on. It's right there. And I'll listen to something sad to bring it on. And Nothing Man was one of them. Yeah. It's hard to talk about without sounding like you're just sad all the time. But I haven't heard it in a while. Yeah. You haven't played that song for a long time. No, not that one. There was a, there's a line in there. They actually have it printed at um, the cultural, uh, Pop Culture Museum in Seattle. Caught a bolt of lightning, cursed the day he let it go. Yeah. And I would just, when I stopped playing music, I would listen to that all the time. Yeah. For sure. I'd say like the last five years, I haven't heard it. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a good sign. Yeah. Right? Yep. I know you were nervous about doing this episode. And I've been kicking off every single one of these episodes because, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month coming up next month. And, you know, depression is a very serious, serious uh, mental illness. And 17, over 17 million Americans experience depression. Um, it's the leading cause of disability in the United States. 35% of adults do not receive treatment for depression. There's different levels of depression, and I want to make sure I mention that because, Dave, I know you were nervous about doing the episode to begin with. I because just felt unqualified. And me living with you and us being married and us living together for the last 20 years. I mean, you're medicated for anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. the medication you're on, and me watching you suffer with depression for so many years. Mm-hmm. That's why I automatically felt that you were qualified. No, I've definitely experienced it quite a bit in my life. I just mean, I didn't want someone listening to this with chronic depression, you know, because I take Wellbutrin. It is pretty mild compared to what I think people with chronic depression take. I didn't want anyone to think, you know, sometimes when you talk about these things, there can be like a mine is worse than yours type. Especially when you're having the bouts of depression. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what I mean to say is mine for the most part, is manageable if I just hang on and ride it out. Yeah. Or if I listen to some music and get a good cry in. When did your depression, I mean, obviously, I kind of know when it started, I think, but for you, when did you, because I think we were, we were talking about this last last week in the um, anxiety episode, that most people don't get diagnosed or seeking symptoms until like around 20, 21. But I think I remember you talking about depression setting in when you were younger than that. Mm, yeah, like eight years old, seven. And I, I just have a ballpark because I know the age range that I was in at the house that I remember it in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I was five to 
eight, five to nine years old. And not to say that suicidal ideation and depression are like imminently tied together, but I remember having a lot of suicidal ideation like around seven, seven years old. So for sure, probably, I know for sure it kicked in when I was, when I was young, young. And obviously you didn't know what that meant. No. Did you ever talk about it to anyone? Mm-mm. No, we had a very, very um, stoic family. Yeah, you know? that's, a good, that's a good word. But I think there's like different types of stoicism. There's some where you, you know, like there's a, I'm not saying stoicism is bad or being stoic is bad. You're, there's a way you can, you can process your feelings without showing them. Yeah, I mean, I... There's a stoicism, yeah. but the way I'm sort of using it is, like, you suffer with your feelings. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always described your family as kind of throwing everything under the rug and just never talking... It never sees the light of day. And that created a lot of suffering for me. Yeah, absolutely. Which I didn't realize until I got older would become depression and anxiety. And, you know, like, when I... And I know this isn't about anxiety, but, like, for me, anxiety would manifest as anger. And yeah. I would, you know, and depression would ultimately come out as just me going to sleep you know like you always would say i don't understand how we could do all you get in this big we get in this big fight and you just go to sleep like it doesn't matter oh yeah you man how that's many because times? i was so sad yeah and i for me like if i'm that sad i can just sleep forever yeah and i understand that now but for a long time i didn't i would be up all night like wondering why oh, he doesn't care that we're fighting like they always say don't go to bed angry mm-hmm. and you just go right to bed <laughs> like wake up <laughs> it's on and that just make me even more rageful yeah it's trying to get you back up so we can fight with me and we can work things out there's nothing more that i'd want to do in this very minute than to go lay lay in bed and shut the door and just let this day go by so when you were eight years old and obviously not knowing really what was going on, not talking about it. Was it constant or was it like just certain times? It's never been constant. And that's why I think it's more of an acute depression. Like, you know, I don't want to speak for anyone else. Chronically, I think, you know, there are folks that walk around that just have like like a, a, a chemical imbalance. And that's just the way their brain is structured. And you can't really do a lot about it. There's, you know, medication, no matter what you do, that's the way their brain is. Then there are people, I think, that, uh, and this has come from some, just for everybody listening, I also worked in clinical psychology for about five or six years. So I'm, I'm also describing what I saw with my own two eyes. I'm not a doctor. My experience is more acute in that it's typically either situational or it's something I've created because I can get inside my own head and make up stories about things because yeah. I like to close loops. Yeah. I really love the gray area of, of things. Like life isn't black and white for me. It's eminently gray. And because I'm in that gray area a lot, for me, it creates a lot of uh, tension, discontent, anxiety, you know, sadness, depression. So, you know, I, to, I'm, to answer your question, it's, I, I think I, when I really started to notice it, it would come and go, come and go. It would never really last for more than two or three days. Um, I would always just call it a slump. And, and this is when you were younger. This is when I was younger. And then when I got to be like late 20s, I noticed those slumps lasted a little bit longer. And yeah. they would go from a couple of days to three or four days to a week to two weeks, you know, and then um, even start manifesting itself into like 
I remember psoriasis. Yeah. Like I started like my. Because you were what, like 28, I think, mm-hmm. 29 when you got diagnosed with psoriasis. Yeah. And we didn't know what was going on because you had these patches of things everywhere. Yeah. So it's it's always sort of been, I guess, intermittent for me. Comes and goes. Because anxiety, uh, I, I mean, I, and we talked about this again last uh, last week in the anxiety episode where anxiety and depression go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Your anxiety, I mean, I know for me, anxiety leads to my depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with you now, I mean, obviously we're just getting into the spring, okay? Sun's shining, we just had daylight savings time. That has been a game changer for you because you said it started out with just a couple of days, a couple of weeks, things like that. Now we're getting to the point where, and I think you and I both are, are, are dealing with this now, the seasonal depression, mm. especially in Idaho. I don't know what it is. Oh. Living in Idaho, it is on another level. But now you're going on like two, three months of just this dark cloud over your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've done everything. We've got the happy light. If you're not familiar with the happy light, it's basically what, I mean, how would you describe it? It's stupid. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I was so happy. I think I was like, I was happy to, I, what I mean is I was so happy to order that. You, you, that was like the great, when it, when it, we got it from, oh, well, you ordered it from Amazon, right? Yeah. That I, thing arrived and you're like, this is going to be a game changer. And you just be sitting in the recliner chair with that happy light, like holding it in front of you. And maybe it does. I don't know. I just. You only uh, use it, a few, what, two or three times. You didn't use it. Yeah, I just see like people like they create these morning routines for themselves that involve like journaling in front of the happy light and stuff. And I just I don't know that that creates more You're anxiety. influenced by the influencers. Yeah, that stuff, I think, creates more anxiety and depression because you feel like, you, I don't know, that just the happy light up to the hype. Yeah. Happy light did, didn't work for me. What you know, I don't know if you want to get into what works. At oh, this yeah, point, but, uh, um, absolutely. What's interesting is exercise works every single time. Yeah. Yep. However, sometimes it is even more painful to even get the exercise started. Yeah. And what's our routine now? Well, you get up. You actually rip the covers off of me to get out of bed. <laughs> I start slapping your ass. Yeah. I'll start slapping. I get up. It's time to go. And I know, like people, you'll see on Instagram, whatever you'll see, people just you, you got to exercise. You got to eat right. Sometimes I just want to say, "Fuck off." <laughs> I think you've told me that a couple of times. Well, and, and you, know what's, you know what's so crazy about this? And again, I'm going to keep referring to last week's episode about anxiety because anxiety, depression, you know, most of the time go hand in hand. The crazy thing about all of this is that my anxiety is what's driving me to get up, to slap your ass, to get your depression up and moving. You know what I mean? Like that's what's my anxiety is my driver every yeah. single time. So if I didn't have anxiety, I wouldn't be getting your butt up out of bed to go work out to fight out that depression yeah i, I think when when i'm truly depressed my depression is immovable it it really is you can't move it except i mean i've i've, I've been successful a couple of times but yeah but i mean you're right yeah Most and that's time, one thing i haven't figured out how to do is when i'm truly down there and i'm just like really depressed I know there are things I can do to make it better or at least take the edge off. And I don't even, I can't even imagine doing them in that moment. But you're saying if you feel that, that feeling, there's a feeling. It's like, it's like, you know, it's coming. Mm -hmm. That's the time to jump on the exercise for you. That works for you personally. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to wait, sit and just wait for it to come. (laughs) I just want to sit back and just wait for it. 
And like I was saying earlier, depression is a leading cause of disability in the United States. I'm surprised. Did you say 35%? 35% of adults do not receive treatment. I feel like more people probably don't receive treatment than that. Well, I mean, you'd think, but that, I mean, that's the, that's the stats that we found online. I, I almost feel like that is probably the percentage that do receive treatment. Because 35% of adults do not receive treatment. I guess you consider, I, I'm in treatment if you consider the Because you, you haven't, you, like you haven't clinically, clinically been diagnosed with a depression. I mean, like, you, you know it. You've worked on psych units before. You, feel, you, you have felt it. Yeah, I mean, there, have, there isn't a chart somewhere that says Dave Huffman, you know, chronic depression. Right. Right. But when I explained what, how I was feeling to my um, healthcare provider, yeah. she said, well, you very obviously, this is at the moment, you very obviously have seasonal depression. And I remember that year I was just coming home and like no hands just falling into the bed. Yeah. Just because it was I mean, just that's so exactly bad. what you look like. Yeah. I wish this was video sometimes. You could actually see Dave <laughs> using no hands just falling into the bed. And I think... This is really important to talk about now, too, because the pandemic has, I mean, amplified depression and anxiety, I mean, mm-hmm. to a whole new level. And we're seeing this in our 12-year-old. Yeah. And he, you were right, you guys are driving around the car the other day, and he, what did he say to you? He I mean, he's said, 12. Yeah. Well, and we've, like you said, we've noticed this for a few months, and he'd be like, no, no, I'm not depressed. No, I'm, I'm okay. Which is what I would have, what I say sometimes, or even, especially when yeah. I was younger. Oh, yeah. And he just said to me, you know, I, uh, and this was on the first, like, warm day of the year, sunlight. He goes, you know, starting to starting to realize that uh, seasonal depression is a real thing. He's been researching it. Yeah. And looking into it. Yeah, and he, what did he call it? He used a, he used a cuss word to describe seasonal depression. Oh, he, I oh. can't remember what it, what it is That's now, nice. but. I was like, you're right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> you just moved past it. Yeah. He's opening up to us. Yeah. He's, getting, yeah, he's, he's almost, what, 13. So mm-hmm. we're going to take a quick break. Uh, here's Microformula's life coach, Sarah Fisk, with the one thing you need to know. Hold up. Here's one thing you need to know. Hi, this is Sarah Bybee Fisk, life coach with Microformulas, with one thing you need to know about depression. First of all, I want to just say that it is completely normal and consistent with just the human experience to go through periods of time when you feel um, higher in terms of your energy, your ability to be happy and optimistic, more capable of seeing the good in life, the silver lining around difficult situations, and times when it's harder, when you might even feel depressed. Life is 50-50. And sometimes the way we experience the different challenges in our lives are also influenced by our hormones, by the biology of our brain, by chemicals that are functioning differently than the way they are supposed to be. So there's nothing wrong with times of depression. If it is persistent, if it isn't something you feel like you can resolve, then the help of a therapist who is trained to bring you through that experience is essential. Coaching is amazing for short-term bouts of depression or maybe when you're feeling low, but when it really is something that is persistent that you're not able to resolve, seeking out a therapist is the very best thing you can do because a therapist is a guide who is trained to bring you through that depression in a way that is gentle 
and can teach you so much about what's going on for you and how it could actually end up being something that you learn from and something that ends up being an experience that helps you to grow and to get further on the path to where you want to go. If we can look at depression as a normal and expected part of the human experience, then maybe we can take away some of the stigma of getting help for it. And in the end, that's what we want to do. Wherever we are, if our depression is not as deep or serious, then perhaps coaching is a great way to resolve that. But if it's persistent and if it doesn't seem like something that you can handle on your own, therapy is always the way to go. It's got you thinking, doesn't it? You're like, give me more. This is Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. So I found this interesting. Bouts of depression often lead to shame. Hmm. And this messed with my mind for a couple of days when I read this. But I'm like, what? I don't understand. But then when you really think about it, what was it? 35% of adults go untreated for depression. Does that fall kind of into that? Like people are afraid to speak up. Like I'm depressed because, I mean, look at the suicide right now. Like I'm afraid to speak up. I'm afraid to say this is what's going on with me then on top of it when you're in when you're having those bouts of depression what are you thinking about what are you doing I know for me I have mild seasonal depression and my anxiety always leads me to that Mm -hmm. I cancel my friends so everything's just I cancel my friends I'm flaky I don't want to leave the house don't want to leave my bed I make up some excuse and I never reveal to them what's going on with me I just make up an excuse and that that's that's shameful for me because that's not really who I want to be and who I am. But, and then I just like my entire being changes. Like I just, and then I never correct it when I come out of it. I just kind of live with it and it just kind of just sits there. And what's the saying? If shame, shame doesn't exist when spoken. Mm-hmm. So I just never talk about it. So I just carry it around with me all the time. Like the, the, the things that I think about, like you said, suicidal ideation, like those things, like, oh my gosh, if anybody ever knew what I'm, if they ever knew like my thoughts, if they could dive into my head right now, it would scare the hell out of people. Like, I can't talk about that. That's too much for people to wrap their head around. So I just bury it and I carry it around with me. There's been time, I won't even talk to my therapist about stuff when I, that I think about being depressed. Yeah. I mean, I know a couple of times I broke down to you and, you know, I've said things like, I don't want to live anymore. And I've, um, even over text messages, like how scary, like, again, that's shameful for me to even think and reflect back to, because that made me feel like, why would I do that to you? Why would I put that worry on you? Mm-hmm. You know, why would I tell my husband over text messages that I don't want to live anymore? You know what I mean? Like, yep. that's horrible. Like just me saying it right now, I'm embarrassed, but I feel better just sharing it. You know, I feel better just saying it out loud, you know, cause that, that those are, those are those moments where that's how bad it gets. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if I've ever felt shame. Maybe I have. You know, that's some, what I thought automatically. I mean, I, I immediately thought I hadn't felt shame until I actually really thought about it. I think at times maybe I've been ashamed of myself, like I'm a, a piece of crap, you know, like I don't deserve certain things. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, didn't, I hadn't even thought about it like that. I, I didn't either. You know, some of the things you described, like canceling on friends, etc. I mean, for me, it's just harder to fake it's harder to fake it than anything. It's all, it's harder to fake it than to actually just be depressed and just let it happen. When you think about your most like depressed, like your, 
I guess the most serious bout of depression for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about like what moment in your life or what was going on? Hmm. Probably when we were in Chillicothe. So our hometown, we, we had moved back for a little bit and just our marriage was in a bad place career wise. I, you know, it was kind of like in an in-between mode trying to figure it out. Um, it's sort of a tie. It's a tie between that and when I stopped playing music. Yeah. When I stopped playing music, it was, that was bad. Like I yeah. cried constantly. I think when you quit playing music, I, I think for me personally watching you, that was probably the worst one. Yeah. Just because it lasted for a long, like, like it was pretty consistent for a couple of years. Yeah. That one actually probably lasted on and off for the whole time we were in Indiana, in Indiana, like for almost six years. Yeah. That was, I mean, and then it, I started playing music again, kind of took the edge off. Yeah. Cause that led to like almost a divorce and that emotional affair. And, yeah. um, as I was sort of trying to find my way out of that. How did you find your way out of it? Um, you, you never, you didn't leave. The way I was acting at that point, yeah. not, to, not to bring marriage into this, but I think it can speak to the power of friendships and relationships. You know, if, if you have a friend who is depressed, you know, unconditionally loving them, I think can could be the difference maker for that person. Yeah. You know, it took me a series... Uh, over the course of five or six years to get through that period, which I, I probably could have been diagnosed as chronically depressed at that time yeah. based off of situational factors. You know, it was, it, I remember I had it down 48 hours of wake time. Remember that? Yeah. Cause I, I'm a big, I'm big on patterns. And so I was like basically tracking your patterns in a journal, mm-hmm. trying to like figure out like, what can we do to get you better? And it was 48 hours of wake time at that point that you were able to keep it together. Yeah. And then that was it. Then you were right back to in a depressive state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time it was your unconditional love. On the outside looking in, I, I imagine it's hard. And, and I have some experience just, like I said, working in psych units and working with people who are chronically depressed. I imagine at some point you start to kind of make it about if you're caring for somebody in that state, you kind of make you can make it about you like what am I doing wrong it's never about you and then it can just I guess maybe just wear you down to see someone like that all the time but you just never really you just never gave up which gave me an anchor well and I also I I, and I I mean I appreciate you giving me the credit for that but I definitely yes I, I fought for our relationship I fought for your health your mental health and didn't give up and all those things, but you put in a lot of work. That's true. I you don't want to downplay that. I, and, and I don't want to downplay either because it wasn't just like me being by your side, kicking your ass every day and hit, slapping your ass to get you up out of bed to go work out. But you, you have put in so much work and dedication into your, 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 your mental health and just who you want to be as a person. I think, no, I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that was the difference maker, right? Yeah. All things being equal, having someone unconditionally love you through that is the difference maker. All the other things work, exercise, therapy, medication, journaling, situational, getting yourself out of certain situations that may be making it worse. Like all of that stuff works. But a lot of that stuff is predicated on your ability to navigate that in that moment. And if you're like 
in a depressed, if you're chronically depressed or even acutely in a finite you know, period of time, you're not going to be able to exercise. I don't care what anybody tells you. Anybody that says, if you're depressed, just get out and go for a run, then they've never really been depressed. Yeah. Because that's horse. Nobody that is really depressed is going to be able to go out for a run. It, honestly, it's hard to even move your legs. Do you remember when um, I was in bed for days and I ended up having those big, huge balls of hair, like mat up in yeah. the back, and you'd have to cut. I mean, I just remember crying, sitting on the, I'm about to cry thinking about it now, but just sitting at the edge of our bed and having these big, huge clumps of hair just like matted up, like dreadlocks almost, where I could not function, I could not shower, Mm -hmm. I could not, I, I just, I was so, I mean, I was so depressed, and you just cutting out those big knots and me trying to cover them up so nobody noticed. Yep. I, I mean, that's... That that was when you asked, like, the most, what period of my life it's been the worst, that instantly popped in my head because there were so many strong visuals around that point of time. Yeah. That was the that was the only real time in my life I actually truly thought about suicide even. Like, had a rope, was, was actually taking steps to make that happen because I didn't yeah. think I deserved to live. So there was like, I, I remember that like plain as day. Because you and I were both going through that depressive time around the same yeah. time. Yeah, which, was, which again speaks to the difference maker of having somebody un- unconditionally love you through it. You and I both were going through it together at the same time. Like misery we loves had company family at that was injecting opinions and things into our lives, kind of, not, yeah. you know, not really helping. You know, making it worse. Making it worse. Yeah. So creating chaos around us. Right. And just making it worse. Yeah. That's, again, referring back to last week, that's why we got the hell out of Ohio and we live in Idaho. We love changed, our home state. Changed situations. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Got down, went down to Dallas. It's warmer there. There's more sunshine. There's like a lot of things to do. And again, does that, does that heal you? No. Does it make it a little bit easier? Could that be the reason why you get out of bed today? Yeah. Maybe. And if you can string together a few of those days, then you got a chance, I think. I remember reading some of your, um, man, they were dark. And we had been together for, my gosh, 15 years at this time. And you had these diary entries hidden away. And I, I you, you hit them really well because I have... I mean, I'm the one that like would organize our moves and things like that. And these diaries have never, I, they've never seen the light of day, like in our house, mm-hmm. being married and being together. And you willingly showed them to me, like your basketball diaries and some of your journal entries. Do you feel that was good for you as far as, because this was when you were younger, when you were playing basketball, you played college ball. Obviously, you growing up in a household where feelings and emotions just were not allowed, basically, yep. where you felt that way anyways. Do you feel like journaling helped a lot with your depression? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I did it honestly, you know, I've I've journaled in many different ways in my life, even clear down to songwriting. Songwriting is more of a cathartic journaling experience, I think. There's a lot more tied to it with music and everything. But, you know, and then there are times where I've journaled and I have basically lied to myself the whole time you know like personal development style like you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that and you know make a million dollars by the time you're 30 like that kind of yeah, stuff your, your journal entries present day well i would say i shouldn't say present day but the last probably the last five years have been super like next level like what's interesting is control. when i was 14 15 16 17 years old my journaling was 
honest. honest it was where it should yeah. be and it was really you know because i i couldn't go i love listen i love my dad he is the smartest he really is most brilliant compassionate man on the face of the planet but he would try to fix it like if i went to talk to him yeah you know he would end up just, he would try to fix it for you right you just couldn't really talk there was really nobody in my house to just talk to yeah so the journal uh just when i when i was younger would would be that for me and i would just no holds barred just let it all out and if you go back and read some of it um, oh, it's so raw and it's so real it's so honest yeah it like and your basketball diaries especially like my gosh like you i mean there was you had zero you did not hold back at all but again a lot of times if i was journaling i wasn't necessarily depressed in journaling i was like more tormented and i think to your point it was like before yeah the I got feeling yeah depressed yeah I've never been depressed and been able to sit down and journal. Yeah. Right? It's like too late then. Yeah. Yeah, because they say like when you're younger, like you said, your bouts of depression lasted a couple of days. Notice as you get older, they last longer. And there's something we're not dealing with. Yeah. There's something we're not working through. There's something we're not processing correctly. And again, some some of us are just wired this way. Like this is this is something in our brain's makeup that this is this is how well, we are, how and, we're built. And as you get older, your brain becomes less resilient. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's why uh, it's suicide for, like, men, you know, I think 55 plus. It's like a real thing. Yeah. You know, when, when we would have uh, men on the unit, the psych unit, that were depressed, if they were 50 plus, like, they were instantly on suicide watch. Do you think your your mental health issues, do you think that led you into psychology? Because you have a bachelor's in psychology. You worked on psych units for 10 years. Do you think at an early age, you picking up on your mental, on your depression and things like that led you to psychology? I think it maybe ended up driving me there. What led me to psychology was the movie Lawnmower Man by Stephen King. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I... I and I, I finally put this together. I thought when I was like eight years old, I asked mom, my mom to take me to the library because I had this thought that mind over matter was real. Like I could yeah. move things with my mind. Yeah. And I researched it a little bit. But like when it really hit me, it was when it was the lawnmower man came out. And I was about Howie's age. So it came out, I think, in 92. So you're like 12. Yeah. Yeah. And that really got me into psychology big time. And do you think that had anything to like leading, leading to your own thing? Like once you dove into it, like understanding yourself mm. as you were studying it? Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't, that's, I think that implies self-awareness and I didn't have self-awareness until I was probably in my mid thirties, but I did, you know, and I, I was interested in mental health and things like that when I was definitely when I was younger, but I would have never believed I was depressed. Yeah. Like I said, I thought it was, I thought I just called it a slump. Mm-hmm. which I think is important because you need, you need to understand. This is what I, I kind of hope, you know, anybody listening or, you know, I hope for our son is, and maybe this comes back to the whole shame thing that you were talking about. You have to understand so you can give it a place at the table. If you can give it a place at the table, then it's not as scary and it's, it doesn't feel like it's you as much. It's yeah. this thing that's, yeah that's happening. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So what like people, like you said, people listening, um, again, different levels of depression. You would say right now you're more of seasonal, maybe seasonal, seasonal situational, situational. And I say depression. situational because if I could, I could walk out of here right now and somebody walk past me and not look at me and I'd be like, well, what, what did I do? Yeah. And then I'll 
that yeah. will that could cause a spiral that makes me depressed and like by by the time by you the get end home. of the day yeah so what what would be your number one I guess, I, w- I don't want to say tip but like if you can give someone advice who's listening who maybe doesn't know it's depression or maybe has um, struggling to figure out like what they can do to feel better what would you say mm. to that person man that's tough and that was the number one thing that I was afraid of what? coming on here is act is coming off like I'm giving advice on how to get through it because I've I have not solved this for no, myself no you haven't and so but that, and that's what I'm saying that that that's that's the beauty of this conversation mm-hmm. is that you don't have it figured out yeah you don't I, have it figured out the I'll tell you what's worked for me at least sometimes <laughs> is the number one thing for me is it comes down to the stories that I tell myself Mm-hmm. If, and again, taking a step back, this is for people that may have some, that their brain chemistry may be in a place where they have some control over the ebbs and flows of their depression. I just want to recognize that there, I, there are people that have, that it's just there. Yeah. Right. Chemical imbalance. But for people that have kind of more acute, like ebbs and flows, stories that you tell yourself, I think are hugely detrimental to yeah. putting you into one of those phases. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, our brains are wired to, to find resolutions to things. So all day things are happening around us and we're trying to make sense of them. And if, as you're trying to make sense of them, if you, in, if you internalize that and, and, you know, create a story in your head where that situation doesn't end the way you would like it to, Mm-hmm. You do that. Think about how many times throughout a day you can do that. Oh, yeah. So many times. You instantly, when I do that, I, I instantly put myself into, uh, I mean, very, very depressed. Yeah. So the interrupting those stories and, and there's, it's hard to do. It's hard because they're so, so automatic. Hard. They're yeah. so automatic. And I learned, actually, that's something I learned through therapy. Um, you just said it. Some weeks I'll go on strings where I, I don't do it very well. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes I just want to let that story play out in my yeah, head. Yeah, right. And I put on a sad song and listen to it to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I can catch it, um, then that is that is super helpful. The other the other one is is not even for, well, I guess maybe for people experiencing depression is if you have people in your life that are truly trying to reach out and help you. Um, let them. Yeah. Don't don't create a story in your head that they are they have pity on you and that you know you don't deserve them you let them you know let them come into your let them be in your life let them if they're trying to give you advice don't look at it as you know well you have no idea because they probably don't have any idea but they're trying to be there for you yeah and i think that's another pretty big one well and you mentioned it therapy yeah i, I mean I, like again we're not professionals we're having discussions talking about our experiences with depression um and mental illness therapy is if you find a really good therapist because there's a lot of bad therapists out there there's Mm. a lot of terrible ones like terrible ones i mean i've we've been you and i both dave have been put through the ringer with terrible therapists marriage counselors all those things um it really matters who you're talking to and if you find a good therapist man hang on to them and let them be your guide and like help you just like this sit down and tell them all your thoughts and 
they'll they'll sit there with a straight face and and help you help you through it and um, help navigate it. But it ultimately boils down to what's going to work for you as an individual. Yeah, sometimes you just need to talk it out. Yeah. You know? You know, like when we when I sort of refer to situational depression, what I'm what I'm sort of uh, trying to describe is, you know, when we either uh, whenever something happens to us or around us that we make about us and we don't process those emotions in a healthy way, they can sort of stir up that yeah. depression, being able to just talk it through with somebody. I know how many times I've, I've come home just blurting out things to you and by the time we're done it's my perspective is shifted just enough that it wards off any cloud that was about to i think it's interesting in our house because we both have anxiety depression but if we're both having bad days Mm -hmm. that's when the house blows up like if you're saying something and i think we do a good job of balancing each other out like if you're having a bad day i'm typically having a good day and if i'm having a bad day you're having a good day we kind of help each other come out of it but the days that we're on the same depressive anxious mode oh my gosh that's a that's a nightmare and yeah. then we have to that, that usually ends with one of us you know staying downstairs the other one going upstairs and just kind of taking it having that time you know by ourselves and then we kind of reconnect later on but yeah yeah just talking through it i know just this has been a crazy week and i i felt like depressed and anxious and things like that and just having these conversations about these things has made me feel better yeah like i said i haven't it. seen my therapist in weeks yeah giving it a place at the table and i was saying earlier faking it kind of makes it worse yeah makes it come out in different ways yeah too over dumb stuff yeah the stuff that you're like what well really? the other morning I, you lash out i was feeling a certain way got on the bike thought that was going to take care of it it gave me enough of a serotonin boost that i was thought i was okay but there was still just something in there and then you said something to me and that wasn't even bad and i turned it in oh to something yeah bad. it was next <laughs> you know yeah. And so I was just harboring, you know, something. So talk about it. Find somebody to talk to. Yeah. Which is hard too. It you is. Know? Sometimes you don't have anybody to talk to. So not to make this sound like it's hopeless, but sometimes it feels that way. Was it, yeah, and I, and I think what I what I'm trying to say is it's all going to be okay. It will. And if it, it sometimes it's going to be hopeless. Yeah. And sometimes it will feel like you have no one to talk to and you won't just keep, I don't know. I, just, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but I just try to remind myself just, to, this today is just one day. Yeah. You know, I actually was getting out of the truck to come in here and I always refer to it like right here. Cause it's where I get the, like in my midsection is where I just, I get this feeling where I just, okay, I just, I could lay down the parking lot right now type yeah. of feeling. And I just told myself, just keep going. And you started, right. this started to happen. I would say probably last night it started to pick up with you. Yeah, I woke up this morning, I had a pain right up here in my upper chest, and I knew it was going to be one of those days. Because usually I'll, whenever I come up to wake you up after my workout, so you can go down to the gym to mm-hmm. work out, usually you're, like, you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to get up, but you're still kind of laughing because I'm trying to do playful things to get you up out of bed and make sure you have no excuses and things like that. But today was different. I'll just flat this out say now different. that I'm, I think I'm getting sick. Is what yeah, I say. That's what, that's what you said this morning. You said you were getting sick. <laughs> yeah, I think, I'll say I'm think I'm getting sick, or I'll say I'm not feeling good. Sometimes I'll just text you and say I'm sad today. Yeah. There's just different ways of communicating it. Yeah. So. But and the thing is, when you said you're sick today, I mean, that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. That's like you're not lying. Depression, you feel like you're sick. You're completely like you just feel like you're disabled. Like you can't, nothing will move, nothing. You won't be able to function. 
and every day is a struggle. Yeah, and I think when you hear about me saying like I like I b- listen to sad music to bring it on, just that's just one of my tactics is to go at it head on. Yeah, like I know the depression is coming and I'll dive into it. Like if it's like a, you know, I won't run from it. I won't try to stave it off. I'll just dive right into it and get it over with. That's what I try to do sometimes. So, well, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate it. This is like your third time, fourth time on the podcast already. Yeah. I love you so much. I love you. Whoa, hold up. Did you hear? Yeehaw. On the next Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. Coming up next week is episode number three of the No Perfect People Allowed series. My dear friend Rachel, she'll be joining the podcast to share her story of struggling with PTSD. This is going to be pretty, uh, pretty serious stuff. The episode is called Triggered. That's next week on Intentionally Disruptive. Ooh, that's a little taste of what's to come next week on Intentionally Disruptive. This podcast is all about everyday people sharing their story, their triumphs, because, I mean, we're all broken. Every single one of us are broken and a constant work in progress. And this is all about people helping people. And you've helped me today. Intentionally Disruptive is presented by Microbe Formulas. Visit us at microbeformulas.com.